Welcome back to the Hospital Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gil Parat, and today's topic is pneumonia. At the outset, I should say, I have not met with a pharmaceutical rep in probably almost a decade, so I have no conflicts of interest. And with that being said, we'll just dive into the topic. When it comes to pneumonia, I think one of the first questions you need to ask yourself is whether the patient actually has pneumonia. Because we can get into this problem of anchor bias where we rely too heavily on the first diagnosis offered and that can misguide us just because the ER doctor or the primary care doctor that's calling for direct admit says it's pneumonia. It's your job to think twice and then make your own decision about the diagnosis. And indeed it can be challenging and sometimes patients have two things. For example, you could have a neoplastic disorder coexist with pneumonia, so a bronchogenic carcinoma may be causing obstruction, which is then causing pneumonia. Sometimes with your patients who have heart failure, it can be very difficult to determine, is this heart failure or is it pneumonia, or sometimes is it both? And then there's the diseases we don't see nearly as often as we see pneumonia, such as vasculitis, Wegener's granulomatosis, sarcoidosis, systemic lupus. And needless to say, a lot of these other disease processes can present with some very similar overlapping symptoms and signs that pneumonia does. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on when you do have a lower respiratory tract infection. And what's going on is basically a balance between your immune system and immune functions trying to get rid of microbes and yet sometimes it can also overreact where there's too much inflammation and then you develop acute lung injury with the infection. This planet is dominated by microbes. In fact, if you don't like microbes, you probably need to move to some other planet. They mostly are a good thing, but when certain microbes are deposited into the lungs, depending on a whole host of things such as how virulent the microbe is and the number of microbes that are deposited into the lungs, you can set up a pulmonary infection. And when that happens, it's the neutrophils that want to migrate out of those pulmonary capillaries and go fight that infection. And thus, a war is started in which the neutrophils are trying to utilize their phagocytosis abilities to ingest and kill the microbes. And that's why a deficiency in neutrophil quantity, which we call neutropenia, can predispose a human being to opportunistic lung infections. Likewise, deficiencies in other parts of the immune system, such as with immunoglobulins or complement, can set up for opportunistic lung infections. But when you have these neutrophils, the war starts and inflammation happens. And sometimes that inflammation can be very significant, sometimes to the point of causing a really bad acute lung injury. So when the body is really doing its job well, it's trying to keep this inflammation mechanism in check. Sometimes it can be amplified too much or sometimes not working enough. But the point being is that in a lower respiratory tract infection like pneumonia, 
not only depends on the organism and the virulence of the microbe, but also on how our bodies react to that infection. And that gets me to the point that when you have a diminished immune response, you may not have the typical symptoms of pneumonia, and instead sometimes our elderly or our chronically ill patients will present with delirium or falling or decreased appetite or just generalized significant lethargy and weakness. Therefore, the diagnosis is not always straightforward. I mean, yeah, it's pretty easy when a patient comes in and they say they have an acute cough with mucus production and fever and chills and maybe some pleuritic chest pain, although that can set you off into other territories where you're looking for pulmonary embolisms and other things. And to that point, hemoptysis can be present in both pulmonary embolisms and pneumonias. If you see significant hemoptysis in pneumonia, you do want to start thinking about the possibility of a necrotizing infection. Could you even be dealing with tuberculosis? Should this patient be on isolation precautions for TB? Or do you have something like a lung abscess where you should be getting a CT scan and not just relying on the chest x-ray? So if you've been in healthcare long enough, you know that pneumonia is not always a simple bread and butter case. And there are some patient populations that I find just among the most tremendously challenging to make the diagnosis of something as simple as pneumonia. I mean, think about your pulmonary fibrosis patients who have chronic infiltrates on chest x-ray all the time in trying to determine if their decline or acute dyspnea is from infection is extraordinarily challenging. As a disease that is the second most frequent cause for hospitalization, it is a common clinical problem, but it also can be a very humbling problem for the physician and the patient. There are so many causes with viruses, bacteria, fungal infection, and there are so many ways it can present and so many ways the clinical course can go from very mild to very severe, causing death. And as I said, there's mimics of other disease processes that can initially look like pneumonia, but be something totally different. I was once watching the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon with my kid, and this character said, overconfidence is the most dangerous form of carelessness. And indeed, I have been susceptible to that, as I'm sure a lot of you have. And the disease of pneumonia has a lot of morbidity and a significant mortality. Therefore, we have to stop sometimes and think about what we're doing because it's easy to get on autopilot when you're dealing with a common condition. There's a lot to explore with this topic, and that's why next episode we'll come back and dive deeper into this very big topic of pneumonia. You've been listening to the Hospital Medicine Podcast with your host, Dr. Gil Perrott.